Welcome to the Help My Unbelief podcast, the number one Christian podcast designed for the unbeliever. Hey, Larry. How are you doing? Good. Are we okay? Yeah. I was going to whisper this whole episode. What do you think about that? Okay. I'm having problems enough with my eyes already. Yeah, you can't do that. And if you did the eyes and the ears on me today, yeah, I'd probably just go home. Yeah, you can't just hear. Down, I'm not. I'm not. You know, not feeling it very much. Yeah, I'm trying to be. Are you in a Are you in a bad mood, or are you just kind of drained? I'm drained. Yeah, I'm drained. Yeah. Hi, Zach. How are you today? Oh, that's all you had in you, wasn't it? That's all you had in you. Now you're just going to fall asleep over there the rest. I'm not going to fall asleep. PP's going to take a nap right during here, the right here. podcast today. Right here. Nehemiah 810. What does that mean? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah. That means when I do not have the endurance to continue, the Lord will give it to me. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, this this. Podcast is a calling from the Lord. Yeah. He's placed me in it. So you got to be here. I'm going to be here for it. It didn't matter how I felt. There you go. I'm not feeling 100% myself, but the joy of the Lord in my heart is still the same. Yep. I agree. So I want to I want to talk a little bit of, uh, of a, a discussion me and you were having before the podcast. That way we can kind of just maybe have a discussion in the comments like we normally do in the beginning of these shows. No, I have not gained that much weight that the rung of the ladder would have broke. I didn't exceed the, the weight well, limit on it. It's I a 350-pound ladder. Yeah, but the fact that you broke a rung on a ladder, man, that's kind of embarrassing. You're not kidding. It do was we need quite to start painful, you, too. Do we need to start calling you Popo or Pow Pow? Uh, you can't do Popo. Because Popo PP doesn't weigh that much. So now we gotta start calling you Pow Pow because that Pow 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 weighs a lot. I've lost a lot of weight. Yeah, you have. I've seen you like fluctuate. Yeah, I can tell you're like you're kind of like a bear. You you uh you fluctuate in the podcast when I go back to like old clips and stuff. And the winter you got kind of heavy, and then yeah, the yeah, summer yeah, you yeah, lose yeah. weight. But I mean, <laughs> stop and think about it. I'm not out. Yeah, exactly. It. You know, I'm not out in it busting and sweating and and you know, yeah. y'all guys that work out. In a gym, you know, you do that year round, and I don't work out for fun. I work out because it's my job. Well, it's not so I'm fun. Sho- well, I'm shoveling dirt. I'm shoveling uh, uh, mulch. You know, I'm doing that kind of stuff, moving rock. So did you uh, go get a new ladder? No, I had two. I have two ladders, but that was the only one I had with me, and it broke. But it's an A-frame, so, I mean, yeah, I just sucked it up and went up the other side yeah i mean you know i didn't even wipe my leg off when it started bleeding so i want to talk to you about this i want to talk to you about this okay so because there is a difference right whenever you whenever you decide that you're going to follow god right and you submit your life completely to god Uh okay yeah and you say you know what i remember where i was when i did that jesus i'm tired of um living this way. I want to seek you. I want to find you. I want you to be my guidepost. Mm -hmm. And you give your life to God. You go down the altar and you give your life to God. That is still different than completely giving God your entire life. And that's a process, isn't it? 
over time because yeah. you can yes, give your life no. to God. Yes, but no. But submitting your all everything you do, your your day to day, every minute of your day, that's a process. No. Um September 2017, I was at the men's conference, and that's when I, I mean, I had already gave, given my heart to the Lord, mm-hmm. okay, um, through the church uh, here, you know, I had already recommitted myself to the Lord, because I, you know, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was a child, of course, but um, as an adult, there's a difference. Like, if you, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to rub backward on the feathers here just a little bit. If you were baptized as a child because everybody else was doing it, okay, and there wasn't a true conviction from the Holy Spirit, go get baptized as an adult when you understand what the meaning of it is. Yeah, I did that. I did okay. that, too. I felt like I needed I, I, to do that. I was yeah. able to do that, and, and it, there's a lot of difference. But when I stepped in at that men's conference, and I fully submitted to the Lord at that particular time, and I said, Lord, I am 100% all in. There's a difference between all in and not being all in. Yeah. All in doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're Elijah and you're exhausted and you got to go rest and the ravens bring you food. It doesn't matter. You're all in. And sometimes the Lord just has to, to take care of us. Yeah. You know, and it's a process though, isn't it? It doesn't happen overnight. Learning to be all in. Yeah is the process. Yeah. Learning to die to your flesh daily. Learning to trust Jesus and everything. Learning to give him control. The commitment's just the beginning. The the commitment is just the beginning. But it has to be in your heart and it can't be a reserved I'm gonna give a hundred percent today. No. Yeah. It has to be I'm all in, Lord. Whatever you want. Every morning when you get up and you say here I am, Lord, use me. And there's times when your physical being is exhausted. You're, you're just worn out. That's what I was thinking about the day I had yesterday. And me and Angela prayed because I was, I was, um, I got a comment today on one of the videos and I'll just be open with you. And don't you get a big head about this. Okay. Because I'm, I admitted the person was right. Okay. I'll just say this right now. Okay. okay wait a minute. He admitted to whom, whom, to whom heard so him was, admit that this no, person was No, hold correct. on. She doesn't even know about this, but it's, ah, okay. so it was someone that was going through and watching like literally every episode today. I don't know their name. They have some name like Worlds of Wonder or something. So, and they'll know who they are um, when they listen to this episode. Worlds of Wonder. I, I can't remember what that name was, but it's someone that's going through and watching all of our episodes and on YouTube, and they're sitting there commenting. They're really engaged with it, and they're they're having a good time listening to it. Is that the one that prayed for me? And so, um, um, maybe, no, that was, uh, may, yeah, maybe, no, no, hold on, we gotta okay, go we gotta ahead. push forward. You keep going. Um, no, I don't want to talk to someone that's looking at a phone. Hold on, no, I just want to see the name. Yes. Worlds of Wonder. No, it's not Worlds of Wonder. It is. Just a tad bit too far for my eyeballs. Wild heart. Yes, 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 yes. Old soul tribe. Yeah, whoever that, that one, is. Yeah, whoever that is. Yeah, that's one to pray. Thank you so much for the prayers. Yeah, they prayed for you. I don't know if it's a girl or a boy. So, but um, anyway, they commented on another one. They commented on another one that they said, "Hey, Zach." They said, "I'm not saying this to discourage you or anything, but they said that you often cut." Larry off whenever he's saying things and he said or he or she said that and I can tell you're doing it 
because you're uncomfortable where Larry's taking it. Take, taking the, and I'm like, that's exactly why I cut him off because I'm uncomfortable. And he said, I give you a challenge to think about. Said that Larry has the same spirit as you have in him. He has the Holy Spirit. And um, Larry himself has said that the Holy Spirit has told him to quiet down. Now, I don't think you always obey the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes it tells you to be quiet and you don't. And sometimes it tells me to yell and, and I don't. That's when we have to shoot an apology episode. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, uh, that, was, that was still learning to die yeah. in my flesh. So he said, uh, he or she, whoever, whoever that is, I'm sorry, you can tell me your name whenever you listen to this, and I'll, I will remember it. But um, um, they said that they challenged me to kind of allow God to um, allow God to, for you to do it, because God picked you to be on this show and is asking me, he's like, I know you have an obligation to be the host of the show. And the way he put it, I was receptive of it because he, he did, he or she pegged why I was, I cut you off a lot. Cause, cause I am, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm uncomfortable where you're going. But the, the argument they made was that God, God is the one that picked you to be on the show. And there's no denying that for me included. And that, yeah, I'm the host of the show. Yeah. I have an obligation for the direct direction of the ministry, but God selected you, not me. And so I've got to allow God, um, to, um, tell you when to be quiet and tell you when to move forward and then sit back and let you do that. But anyway, hold on, let me finish. So after he said that, I re- I go, I was looking out the window after he said that, and I was really contemplating on what he said. If you're a she, I'm sorry. Um, and I was like, wow, I'm a control freak, like in every aspect of my life, though. And then I was just like, and then I got overwhelmed about thinking I was a control freak because I wanted to learn how I can control stopping the control. I was like, how... I was like, give me a roadmap, and I want to learn how to control, how to stop the control, right? And then I just heard God loud as day say, give it to me. And it sounds so simple, but every single time, I need to give what I'm going through to the Lord. And just like, I've been going through something the last two, yesterday especially, um, I had a breakdown, a mental breakdown yesterday, because something that was going on in in my comp- one of my ventures, my roofing company. And I really, I just really cut loose. And, and Angela kind of made a comment that says like, well, yeah, when you, when you, even when you get in that mad, in that bad mood where everything's just going wrong, um, and then you start getting mad and angry and you have this mental breakdown and you end up where I have to leave that's even then you needed to give it to God. And I said, no, I said, if I was truly giving it to God, I would have never even gotten close to that. Because I would have gave it to God long before it even got there. I allowed, there was several events that I had to want to take control of to get to where I had that mental breakdown. Several bunches of events that I had to think I had control over and didn't. Because I've learned no matter how many times I've tried to control something, whether I worry or whether I don't worry, worry, God's always taking care of it every single time. So whether I worry or not, worry is a waste of time because what's going to happen is going to happen whether you worry or not, and you might as well enjoy the in-between. Do you ever, when you're talking to your daughters, do you ever, let me go ahead and get these off for a second. Uh-oh, PP's taking my off the eye, My eyes are getting really messed up today. Um, first off, thank you. So, yeah, I'm learning. Or thank you. Um, but there is a reason for that. He has a job as the director, 
and he we have had this discussion off air. And when he changes the subject, it's because I'm going down a rabbit hole that needs to be brought back out, typically. Um, but at the same time, I already know that Zach's working on controlling himself on the control issue. He is a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> Don't say a little. You can say I'm a lot. It's okay. He's, he's really a control freak. I mean, you know, the whole idea that I wear visors bugs him. The whole idea that I wear a different one every day bugs him. But that's no, not true. I just mess with you. I literally told you I want to like if, if you start You're to run bet. out, you better tell me because at first I'm, you just thought it was a weird thing I did. No, I want to buy. I would literally if you start to run out of visors, I'm going to buy a visor. Like I'm going to start buying you. Visor. I've been I've been in doing the El Reno Team El Reno for ten weeks. God, it's been that long already. Ten weeks, yeah. Good grief. I wore the I wore a different shirt every Sunday. No kidding. <laughs> Dress shirt. You're like Ric Flair, man. Shirt. Every Sunday, and then last week I went, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. You, I, you know, I still had five more to go, and I went, yeah, I, I just, I can't. You got that personality like Ric Flair. Just, nobody notices, nobody cares. You remember Ric Flair? <laughs> just the me thing. Yes, I remember Ric Fla- Flair. Ric Flair wore a different Nature outfit. Boy, Ric Flair. Yeah. He would spend $1,000 every week. Thousands of dollars every week on a different outfit, so he wore a different robe every single week. I never week. caught on to that. Yeah. I saw too many of them. Yeah, he did. He but, Every week, he never wore the same clothes twice on TV. In all honesty, he is the director, so that means that he is in charge of the direction that the store show is to go, and I understand that, but what I'm trying to work with him on now it's very difficult, very, very, very difficult for any guy to learn, and that's submission. Yeah, yeah. Submission doesn't come overnight. You're not going to say I'm 100% all in God and then give 100% full submission to the Lord. That's a learned process. Yeah. Hold on. <coughs> I'm sorry. That's a learned process completely that you have to to deal with as a learning as a learning curve. And some of us are going to it's going to take more to learn, especially if we're hardcore control freaks. I know that's why that's why I got overwhelmed when I was thinking about it. I was like, how how do I how do I do this? Like I don't even know how. You know, God taught me the most valuable lesson when we were going through the alcoholism with, with Darcia. Yeah. Yep. It's all, it's all part of our testimony. We talk about this because it is part of our testimony. I'm not, I'm not demeaning, demeaning my wife and I'm not talking down on my wife. This was a process that we went through. But didn't you say at one point you were like, you, like you had, you had that control. And then at one point you said, you know what? She's yours. God, I'm done. I, I did completely. And it was, it was, Everything I'm doing and saying, I wanted a divorce. Yeah. I was done. I mean, my, my kids were telling me, Dad, we can't bring the grandkids around anymore. <coughs> it's just, it's too bad. And I, well, pardon me. <coughs> Peepaw's choking up. We got to give him a water break. Got to give <clears throat> Peepaw a water break. So, through that, God said no. I can see now why I couldn't see then because it was all about me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I want to. I want to serve the Lord, but it's all about me. How yeah. many preachers? How many preachers? How many pastors? How many uh, deacons? How many? You know, anybody in control in the church? How many of us actually have that? Oh, I'm, I'm all for the Lord as long as I'm in control. Yeah. And it is amazing when you actually start learning to give control over to the Lord. So at at that particular point. The Lord said I was not getting a divorce, and I wouldn't, and He wouldn't allow me. And I love my wife. I, you, you're never going to understand how much I love Darcia. But that was a very trying time, and I was going to lose everybody that I created—my grandkids, my daughters, and all that. I created them. I'm responsible for them, and I'm choosing Darcia over them. Is how I felt, and it wasn't going to go very well. So through this, I gave Garcia to the Lord. Okay, she's your problem. And it was pretty shortly after that. As soon as I gave it to God, he started working in her. So what was the process, though? Describe the process that someone doesn't know, because it's more than just verbally saying, okay, God, it's yours. Describe the mental process. say. I verbally yelled and screamed in my front yard after dark. But what'd you do, though, besides just say, screaming it? Like, do you remember how your mindset your mindset shifted from that day? Do you remember how your mindset shifted? Yeah. I wasn't taking responsibility for it anymore. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, when people come to me about her being drunk, I'm like, tell God it's his problem. There you go. Okay. Tell That's God what I wanted to know. Man, she's no longer my problem. I gave her to God. Okay. I can't control. But here's the thing. How hard was that lesson to move out of the way of God so he could work everything that I was doing on retrospect everything that I was doing was interfering with God's process with her because I was trying to do it under my own power I was trying to do it through my own yelling screaming and bitching about stuff I had that yesterday didn't I that moment that Larry moment yesterday didn't I I had that moment yesterday When when you come down to where none of the words none of the um influence that i have whether nothing is nothing's working yeah nothing yeah and she was she told me she'd rather get a divorce and go to rehab yeah she was that yeah she and was i was like wow i mean she told unfortunately that's part of our testimony but the cops were called into our house and yeah. she told the cops i'd rather i'd rather <laughs> rather get a divorce rather get a divorce and quit drinking yeah <laughs> so uh, you know that, that sure does a lot for your ego on that one. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I mean, at that particular point was when something's got to change, and all I can do. You had no choice. All I can do is give it to God. You, That's all I could do You had two point. choices. Had, you, had, you had give up or give it to God. Well, I could have done the choices. stupid thing, shot both of us. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's where, where people get to this. Chill, Chris Benoit. That, 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 that thought process that this is all I can do. No, it's not. Yeah. When you can actually give it to God and then walk away from the control of it. I was still sitting there. I still, we, we still engaged. I talked to her pleasantly. I didn't yell and scream like I used to. I didn't walk around angry and, and and like, you know, angry about everything because it didn't do any good. All I did was when, when she had a, a moment of relapse or acting out, I prayed. I prayed. I sought God. I, I made Matthew six thirty three my mantra. What's that? Matthew six thirty three. 
Seek. Seek first. Seek first the Seek kingdom first. of God and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Nice. All I worked on was me. That's all yeah. I all I got control of is me. Yeah. That's it. I control whether or not I think about God or I think about world. I have control over that because God gave me free will. But when I submit myself to the Lord, that doesn't mean I don't have all the temptations that I just Say, no, no, that's not of God. That's not a God. That's not a God. I'm getting a revelation from God right now. I'm getting a revelation <clears throat> when from you, God. All I wanted, dude, I wasn't looking for riches. I'm not looking for an easy life. I've made my choices in my life, and I have to live through quite a bit of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a revelation from God right now, and I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to say it on the air, but one of the things that I said yesterday when I was having my tantrum, I went out by myself and I'm out in this field and I'm screaming at God, literally I'm screaming. I'm out playing. And they're done that. And I was like, I was like, you want me to do all this stuff? And I was like, can you don't fix me? I said, cause I got, got a little pissed because, um, I have some major issues inside of me that I've been begging God to take away. And every single, single thing has been a grind for me. Like to where I have to put so much effort into quitting and I'm like, what's going on? What's going on with this, man? Like, I just ask him for one thing to be delivered. And I've been able to willpower all this other stuff out, but I can't do this one. I can't do it. And I was like, and I said, I said, and you, I, bet I told him, I said, and you know me, I've always been a loser and I'm still a loser. I'm always going to be a loser. And I just have a very low self-esteem, right? And God's given me a revelation of why I said that yesterday because I was just thinking about that just now why I said that. And a part of the reason why I don't want to give God control now is because whenever God makes things happen, I want to take control of it so I can show me and the people that maybe think I was a loser that I'm not a loser anymore. See, that's a lot more important to you. And Zach, can I have a moment of honesty? I mean, straight honesty. I don't mean, uh, there's often things I don't say. Uh huh. The Holy Spirit has yanked the reins on quite a bit, so I don't offend. Uh huh. But in the beginning, you'd call me up with all the numbers on this, and you'd tell me this, and you'd tell me that, and I'd tell you, I don't mm-hmm. care. Or I would listen to you, but I, I, I don't know what that means. Yeah. I don't care what it means. Why do you think that was? You don't want your, you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to have an ego about it and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm grateful that God chose me from what you told me. Whether it reaches a hundred or a million, you're, it's the same thing. It's for all you. about one person, one person yeah. coming to the Lord. But it's not to glorify Larry. I have turned my life to where I try to do everything to glorify God. Do I? No. Do I feel, oh, uh, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. But the whole idea is that I repent and go on. David glorified God. He made a lot of mistakes. And I'm yeah. talking about King David, okay? And yeah. he made a lot of mistakes, but he kept turning himself back to the Lord, yeah. repenting. Yeah. He had a repentant heart for the mistakes that he made. And when the Holy Spirit, or the, and the, then it wasn't the Holy Spirit, it was called the Spirit of God. They didn't when have the, oh, okay, When the Spirit you. of God came upon him and, and showed him his mistakes, he quickly repented. And he yeah. quickly turned back. And he had that heart that just searched after the forgiveness of God yeah. and the direction of God. And I, ever since I picked Matthew 6, to get me through my life, 
it's not about what God does for me. It's about what I can do for God. Yeah. That's it's why it's not about my glory. That's why he's doing it though. That's crazy. I just that's exactly why he's doing it. It's because is because if he doesn't take me through this full cycle, I will take credit for some of this stuff and it'll ruin the whole thing. No matter what he takes, no matter if he because I can see I can see the the roofing company and everything we do become successful. Everything. I can see it where it's going. It's everything we've done has done nothing but up. And God wants that to happen. He just doesn't want that. It would be a lie if I said I had son of a gun that scared me. Um, it would be. Yeah, you didn't put it on silent. And you didn't put it on do not. Disturb. Oh, that's our guest. So, but. Um, yeah. He's home now. But the the overall thing, Zach, is that as you've grown. You have started giving God more control over this and understanding mm-hmm. that God can control this without any help from Zach. Well, he's doing it anyway. He's doing it anyway with, mm-hmm. with or without my consent, he's controlling it anyway. But God's that, that's what I've kind of learned, just revealed or, or God revealed to me just now, like where this thing is going is where it's going. Whether I do anything, God, mm-hmm. God can either use me or not use me. He can, he can be a part of it or not, but be a part of it. God's plan is going to get fulfilled with or without my consent, okay? But the last thing God needs doing is some insecure 40-year-old taking the credit for it. That's the last thing he needs. God, whatever God takes up, he wants the credit for it. That way he can be glorified through the actions. And that's why, that's why I haven't given up control is because a part of me still wants to look back at the old me and say, see, you're not a loser anymore. And I can't be that way. But see, you want worldly recognition. No, exactly. Exactly. And really, I just want to show to myself because I, I don't want worldly recognition. Yeah. See, the good thing is nobody knows who I am. It doesn't matter. Yeah. All that matters is that God uses my mouth as a mouthpiece. Yeah. Billy Graham didn't start off to be Billy Graham. Billy got on his knees and said, Lord, I'm all in. Use yeah. me to bring people to the Lord. Yeah. That's where Billy Graham got it. And he stayed focused on Jesus. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. We got, I feel like I have a roadmap again, you know, to kind of go down. But I know it's not going to be gonna, We're going to continually come against trials or, yeah. or come up on trials. And we're going to continually come up on tests. It's a continuation all the time of what choices we're going to make when the when it's difficult and when it's it's not easy to do the right thing at the right time. It's yeah. always easy to do the right thing later when you think about it in your head, but when it's at the right time, it's it's hard to realize what we actually need to do. Yeah. But ask yourself in everything that you do, does this glorify God? Yeah. Or does this glorify me? Yeah. I just I know what, whatever happens with what I'm doing, because I know I'm, my footsteps are at least walking with God. It's just about, it's just about not wanting to give up that control because I don't, because I still want to look back at my old self and be like, we did it. But I want God, I want God to look at me when I get to heaven and say, we did it. You know what I mean? And me just be like, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. 
That's all I want to hear, man. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm grateful he gave me that. But we, we got to get to our guests. We're running a little bit late. So today we have on um, a man named Pastor Drake. Um, and I don't really, you know what? I'm going to let him explain what's going on here. Um, he is a pastor that is of a Church of Christ church, um, and he's involved in a homosexual relationship, essentially. And I'm going to let him talk about it. We're going to talk about it. You guys know how we do. We, do, we treat people with respect, honor, dignity, all that stuff, and we're going to get to it. Um, let's go, Pastor Drake. Hello. Pastor Drake? Hey, buddy. How are you? There he is. How are you doing? Oh, another day toward paradise, right? Dude, I don't know why. I don't know why, but the word pastor is so hard for me to say. Like I, it, my mouth, my mouth defaults to pasture and it really bothers me. (laughs) Well, you can always, I mean, you could always just say Drake. That's totally fine. Right. Yeah. I just, I always just put a pastor because I like, I always, people always like people who are outside of, um, like the kind of like the gentle circle of evangelical Protestantism often like would be like father um, or like priest um, or brother. Oh yeah. Which I'm being called brother, but not brother Drake. That's weird. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so I just put pastor Drake because it eliminates some confusion. Plus there are a lot of people on the internet who call themselves pastors who are not pastors. Oh, amen. And, that's huh? a, that's about like that's almost like stolen valor, huh? Well, I mean, I just I I think what I think the problem is is like you know it it yeah a little bit I think it it I think that there's I don't get me wrong um like I I, I know some people who uh, like I know a guy who does a digital ministry where his church is getting ready to close uh, financially and so they sold the building and it funds a uh, financial ministry or an online ministry that reaches like a thousand people a week. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's like, a, it's, it's not a physical church, but it was a it thrived during the pandemic and gave people community that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and like, I would say, okay, well, no, Michael is still a pastor. Um, but there are then lots of other people who are just like, well, I'm a Christian. So like, let me just identify as a pastor because I'm a digital pastor. And so, um, you know, like it, it's funny, but you know, there are, there are plenty of people who will kind of come at me cause they disagree with, you know, my background or my theology or whatever. And right. they'll say, I'm not, you know, they'll say I'm not a real pastor and I'll say, well, I mean, whether or not you like me, um, or you agree with me, doesn't make me not fit the definition of a pastor. Right. Like I, I, I think Steve, Steve Anderson is a boring, he's still a pastor. Yeah. He still leads oh, the congregation. Steve Anderson, that is is that that is that that um tyrant? Yeah, that it sure yeah. I'm looking him up now. Steve Anderson, yeah, that he, pastor, he's a tyrant and he that kicks people out of his church for asking for prayer yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that guy he's also the guy who said that the only advice he has for gay people is that they shoot themselves in the head before they molest their kids his kids or somebody else's. Yeah, that's the same guy. Yeah, I'm thinking of him. He is te- yeah, he's a tyrant, the, man. Yeah, I think the sad part about it is, is that he, um, like, he's got a lot of, uh, like, there's eighty something churches within their, not they don't wouldn't call themselves a denomination, but within their affiliation. Um, so there's actually like there's one an hour from. Yeah. Wow. So he's got and, multiple different churches that he doesn't necessarily pastor, but people that are kind of in line with his beliefs. 
Yeah, yeah. They call themselves the um, they call themselves the New Independent Bap- Independent Fundamentalist Baptist. So the IFB, the Independent Fundamentalist Baptist. Yep. They're the Independent Fundamentalist Baptist. He's a pastor at Faithful Word Baptist Church in Tempe, Arizona. He advocates for the death penalty of homosexuals and prayed for the deaths of former U.S. President Barack Obama, oh my goodness, and Caitlyn Jenner. He produced a documentary, Marching to Zion, which he championed a wide range of anti-Semitic stereotypes, according... Yeah, I just... I mean, like, I've seen... So, I've never really researched this guy. I didn't know he, he like, advocated for the death penalty of homosexuals and stuff like that. Oh, That's no, crazy. I mean... I mean, that guy... That, I mean, there's... And it's him, and then the other guy that is, like, that's right there with him. There's a guy named Jonathan Shelley, and he's part of that same group, Steadfast Baptist Church. And um, he's he's the same way. And there's actually like, believe it or not, like um, they, them, and a lot of other churches, because it's an official part of the, the Independent Fundamentalist or the New Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Movement. They actually state on their website that they advocate for the death penalty for for uh, queer folks. I mean, where are they getting in the, in the, I get, even if you dis, disagree with someone or how someone's living their life. Um, I mean, obviously I disagree with a lot of things that a lot of people do, but how are you going to a- advocate for their, for their death? And where do you think they're getting that at in the Bible period or from Jesus' I mean, teaching? I, yeah. I, well, I think it's interesting because so they, they don't, um, so where, where they would pull it from is they'd pull it from the passage in Romans that talks about governmental authority. Um, and then they would couple that with um, uh, Hebrew Bible or Old Testament passages that talk about um, the, uh, the, those who, um, those who what they would, would uh, interpret as uh, participate in same-sex relationships should be put to death. Um, and then they kind of say, well, I'm not saying that we should go around killing gay people, but I am saying that the government should do it because they're, you know, they are the kind of like the long arm, long arm of the law of God. Well, I can think That's of one the- one biblical example of where someone was involved in sin and the community wanted to kill the person, and then our example in the Bible actually stepped in and he stopped it. Yeah, well, I could so, I could think of one. Well, it, and that. That's interesting in and of itself. I actually just preached on that um, recently because that's a whole other topic. But it's interesting that they pulled the woman to be stoned, but not the man. Takes two to commit adultery. Ah, yeah, that's true. I also heard a weird caveat on that this week too, and I don't know how true this is, but uh, but someone said that the woman like had literally just been caught in the act of adultery. Like, and I don't know where they're getting that. I don't remember reading that in the book. Do you, Larry? No, but I often wondered why the man wasn't brought with her. Yeah, I actually if never they thought actually about that. Caught you, yeah, in the adultery. Then why was the man not brought forward as well? Well, it's almost just well, in society in general. It's almost more accepted to be adulterous as a man today than a woman. And I wonder if that carried over it's just like another interesting like societal um thing that i found interesting in the bible you remember whenever um somebody accused like peter and the apostles when they were like speaking in tongues or whatever in the book of acts and they accused him of being drunk and then peter used as a as a like a as proof that he wasn't drinking from the time of day he's like i'm not drunk it's only 9 a.m or whatever i thought that was interesting that i was like wow even back then a like societal norm was to drink at night and not in the morning. 
Like it was more accepted to in drink at darkness. night than in the morning, you know? So I thought that was interesting, but that's probably the same way back then that it was more okay for men to commit adultery than women. Cause it's like that now. Right. Yeah. I mean, what I find interesting is like, even though, like you said, you know, it's, it's not explicitly stated that she had just been caught, like, right. That she had been caught in the act, but, but it, I mean, if you want to use context clues, it's not like they have, you know, iPhones that they're catching each other's messages. Right. Right. So, I mean, if somebody was caught in the act of adultery, they have no way, they have no proof other than the physical act of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I guess you're right. Yeah. Cause nobody's going to admit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so like, and, and they leave the man alone. And, but that also goes to show like, that also goes to show just back then too, like um, the oppressive systems that existed even then. Right. Like the same systems that Jesus calls us to tear down now existed then when he was trying to tear them down. Yeah. Let, before we go any further, let me go around the room and introduce everybody to you. That way, if you hear any voices that aren't mine, you'll know who they are. Um, my executive producer is not here today. Mark, he's not here today. So if you've watched any of the episodes, he's not going to be here today. I've got my spiritual war over here. Larry, you might hear from him. Say hi, Larry. Hello. Um, and then you have, I have my beautiful wife, Angela. Hello. And hey. then I have my wonderfully vibrant and handsome co-host, Larry. Larry. <laughs> I was going to give you your last name, but I said not to. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Hello. Is it Drake? Yep. This, I'm here. Yeah. Hello, Drake. Nice to meet you. He may sound nice. a little stuffy today. Yeah, I'm a, I got, got a little a allergy up. issue going on, and it's, uh, well, it's just working me over pretty good. <laughs> hey, well, that's okay. It gives you a radio voice. Um, so as, as promised, um, whenever I was asking you to come on the show, I don't know how much of what we do, um, you've seen, but this is not a debate show at all. We didn't bring you on here to beat you up or anything. This is just a conversation. Um, we, we literally aim to not debate. I know, um, from what you, from what you do, I know you probably get beat up on a daily basis and that's not what we, that's not what we want to do here. So just a conversation. You're safe here. So, um, all that going, but, um, so what we do is we'll, we'll just have a conversation at the end of the show. What we do is we'll go around and we'll just say like a final word around the room. And then because you're our guest, you're going to get the final, the final goodbye. And then that's it. All right. Sounds good. So how long do I have you for you? I mean, you've got me, you've got me as long as you need me. Okay. So it will about an hour then about an hour. That, more. That's, I was, that's what I was anticipating. Cool. Thank you, man. Um, so I want to, I want to jump right into the, um, the, the main thing that I want to ask that I'm curious about because, um, well, first of all, I actually want to ask you about church of Christ, right? Cause, um, Christ. so what's the diff? Cause I don't really know. Um, do, I know Baptist and I know assemblies of God. And I don't know Assemblies of God as well as I know Baptist because I grew up Baptist. And I was actually going to tell you that whenever you said you don't want to be called like Brother Drake because it, I, and you didn't say why, but I'll tell you why I don't want to be called Brother Zach. Is It's because I grew up Baptist and everybody called everybody Brother Zach, Brother whatever. And I, 
my upbringing in church gave me such like an uncomfortable feeling around those people because, you know, you'd see those people act different in private and stuff like that. And I associated that with Baptist. Well, I associated it with God in general at first, and then I associated it with being Baptist later on. And I don't know why. I just don't, I don't like being called Brother Zach now because of that. But yeah, I was grow, growing up, I grew up Pentecostal. I wouldn't have called your brother Zach. It would have been referred to as Brother Lee. You used first name <laughs> and their last name. Oh, really? Yeah. So more military. Yeah, so brother, I was, brother, all of them. You know, there was always brother. Yeah. So I was in the Southern Baptist Church uh, prior to being in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. So I get that. We my the last pastor I served under was uh, past, was Brother Ron. So <laughs> um, so I I get it. But um, but and, and, and that and it just I think. The, the way the, I agree with you in, in that um, I don't like the as far as using titles I the thing is with the with the word brother for me is it just I feel like it kind of um, it kind of it can create a falsified relationship brother is somebody that you're really close to um, and, and so like you know you're you're my brother whether that be you know blood brother or that be a, a uh, you know, somebody that you're really close to, uh, have a good friendship with, best friendship with. And so like just calling everybody brother, I understand what they mean, but you know, you could call somebody brother and then bite them in the back when you're not there. Yeah. Um, and so that's like, for me, that's why I would use it. But the Christian church disciples of Christ is really interesting. Um, so to kind of answer your question, um, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm just reading right here. It says, Churches of Christ subscribe to the doctrine of the Trinity, but they avoid the use of the terms Trinity or Trinitarian. These are considered philosophical rather than New Testament terms. The churches of Christ believe that the New Testament is the primary guide for understanding Christian faith and practice. So where you're going to want to go is, well, before before we get there, I'll, I'll, I'll let me go a little bit back before that, and then we'll, we'll get there. I mean, the first thing is, um, so the basically the reason the denomination was formed. So um, the Christian Church is the as, as a denomination um, is the oldest American movement on uh, or um, oldest religious movement on American soil, founded on American soil. So basically, what happened was there was a couple of guys who were pastors within other denominations who got together and said we're we're sick of division. Um, you know, there's a church father who used to say first quoted saying, uh, the mark of the heretic is that who wears the badge of his teacher before that of Christ. Um, and so they basically were like, well, why is it that we have to belong to, you know, a Presbyterian church or a Congregationalist church or a Baptist church? Um, why can't we just belong to a Christian church, you know, one that bears the name of Christ? And so that's kind of what happened. It's the, the Stone Campbell movement is what that would be. Um, okay. Um, and then, um, I mean, there's been various splits off along the way. So like, looks like it started um, in 1830, the denomination, the first church of Christ was organized according to the commandment from God on April 6th, 1830. So what's, what's interesting is, so, so there's, so within us, there's the, there's the, um, there's the Christian church disciples of Christ. Okay. So the Christian church started. Um, and then along the way, the Church of Christ and the United Church of Christ, that was a different split. But the Church of Christ split off um, from my denomination. Yeah. Um, so the Church of Christ split off years ago, and um, then they they split off because they didn't want to use instruments in worship. 
Um, do, you, so, do you guys, I, I have a couple major questions and just, this is just for me personally. Well, the first one, which I think is, um, is important to any denomination, but who is Jesus? Is Jesus God? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. Now my, another big question, and this one is just a personal one. Um, but do you, so do you believe you have the Holy spirit in you and do you believe like it guides your everyday life? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what's interesting, let me talk from a denominational level and then, and then I'll talk from a personal level. Okay. Okay. Uh, the, the denomination, uh, believe kind of only holds a couple of tenets. I mean, one of them is that we have open table communion. We believe that, um, we should invite all people to the table as the Lord invites us or as the Lord welcomes us. Oh, Um, that means like the unrepented sin thing or whatever, when it comes to communion, is that what you're talking about? Like, is that a closed table communion? Um, no, no, I would, no, I wouldn't say that. No. Cause like, for example, like when we, when we give communion, we have a spot where God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, right? So we have, we, we, I mean, we, we believe wholeheartedly in repentance. It's not so much that. It's, um, it's more like you have to be confirmed within the Catholic Church to take communion. Okay. To receive the Eucharist. So, like, if you're, whether or not you belong to my denomination or you belong to a different one, um, you're invited to the table. Uh, if you, if if you're not, you know, if you're not really sure what you believe, um, but you believe that God is calling you to the table, then, you know, like we believe that, um, the table is a, is the place where, where God shows grace. Like what I often say is that Jesus invited Peter who would deny him to take communion and Judas who would betray him. Yeah. Um, well it was at that table, right? That where Jesus even told Judas that he was going to betray him. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And yet they were still invited to take communion. So, um, now, now that being said, um, and then, and then we also, we kind of informally hold the concept of in faith, unity and opinions, liberty above all things, love. And so basically the thing that sold me on my denomination originally, when I had attended a disciples of Christ church was that I was asked, or I asked them a question about theology and he gave his stance as the pastor and then said, and I think that this is where about everyone else is. However, there are some people who are going to disagree, but it doesn't matter because we all agree on Jesus. Right. And so, um, like I, like Jesus is number one. And so, um, there's, we have varying opinions about different things. Um, but we all agree that, uh, on who Jesus is and why, and that, that we ought to follow him. Do you believe that um, only the only the people of the Church of Christ or the disciples of Christ are going to heaven? No. Okay. No, absolutely not. Um, I mean, and that would be really sad because the disciples of Christ is the smallest of the mainline denominations. So, um, oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, like, when I say mainline, that's like us, uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, uh, the United Methodist, um, like most of the things that you'd consider like more traditional or liturgical are part of the mainline denominations. Anyways. Um, but, and then from on a personal level, like, I mean, yeah, I, I believe that the Holy spirit, I mean, I believe that, you know, the, that, um, that this, the secret has been revealed to us that Christ is in you. Right. Um, I think that, that, that God lives and dwells 
um, with his people. Um, you know, I think part of the reason that so many Christians, part of the thing that so many Christians miss is that we always want to like believe that God is like some up there God. Um, and then, and we're down here. Um, and that we have to, in, that, that we have to like invoke God into the room and, and sure we can, we can, you know, when we, uh, sing worship songs, we can, um, invite the spirit to work in us, but we're not inviting the spirit into the room. The spirit's already there, right? God already dwells with his people. You believe um, it's there so, no matter where you go, the spirit of God's there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the psalmist says in Psalm 139, um, where could I go to flee from your presence? I can make my bed in shale. You are there. I can climb to the highest heights. You are there. I can make my bed uh, in in the darkness. Um, but surely the the light and the dark are the same to you, right? You can't. God's there. But what's the um, what's with the verse? The um, when two or three are gathered in my name, then I'll be there. Because that one leads. Me, I don't actually have an pit. Like because I I think because Pastor Gary talks about the omnipresence of God living through us uh, through the Holy Spirit, right? And so I've never actually thought about whether God was there all the time or wasn't somewhere all the time. But then he brings up that psalmist Bible verse, but then the one that comes to my head that would argue against whether God's in all places, all times, is the where it says, where, where two or three are gathered in my name, um, I will be there. Does that make sense? It kind of leads me to believe that maybe. maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, I think for me, I mean, I think for me that would have, like, I think for me that would have a lot to do um, with with experiencing the presence of God in other people, right? Uh, like, I mean, because I, I, I don't think everything is supposed to be like super super literal, but I, I also think that when you think about it, like we're supposed to love the Lord our God with our heart, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? And like the love of God is made complete in the way that we love others, right? Um, and and so like for me, like if I'm praying to God and crying that's one thing but if i'm praying to god with somebody else and crying on their shoulder well that's another yeah do you guys uh raise your hands and stuff to worship or like what's your worship style uh well i mean i would say like we're pretty like i would say that we we've been one of the terms that we've used recently is uh transformational um so we believe in the transformational power of the gospel um but moreover like we, I would say, you know, we have the heart of a charismatic. So, um, absolutely. I mean, I, not everybody does. I mean, right. we've got so many people from so many different backgrounds, especially now that we've, we've merged, uh, churches. Um, but I do, I mean, I, on our website, getting ready, our new website's getting ready to launch. Like one of the pictures that rotates through front is me with my hands raised. Um, because that's how I, that's how I worship. And that's one of the ways that I experience God. Right. Okay. Fair enough. And so, do, do you believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit right now? Oh, you know, I've been actually having conversations with a friend of mine um, who's a vineyard pastor, retired vineyard pastor, about this. I do, um, and I, I, you know, it was. I don't want to. I don't ever want to write off God just because it's because he's too difficult to understand. Um. However, you know, I I, I don't think that that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have some uh, semblance of, of kind of like reason or intellect and understanding things. Like I do believe that people can speak in tongues though. I've never, 
Um, and I, and I don't believe that you have, you know, some sort of special gift of, or you have the Holy Spirit is like baptizing you a second time because you spoke in tongues. Um, that's a personal belief. I don't believe that, but I do believe that people can speak in tongues, right? Like I, I do believe that people can be healed and I do believe that, you know, people can, you know, have a gift of prophecy. However, my mom thinks she's a prophet and has prophesied the end of the world about a billion times. So like, I, like, like I personally have a hard time with some of those things, but it doesn't mean that God isn't working. So like, I'll give you an example. Like, um, recently I was up, uh, in Kentucky. I'm, I won't give specifics because I don't want to call out the church. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, I was in Kentucky and, uh, was part, was, um, attended a church on a Sunday that was not a part of my denomination, a large church. And, um, and they took, they take communion every Sunday as well. They're part of the independent Christian church. Oh, you take communion every Sunday. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's what, okay. And so I really wanted to, um, take communion, right. It's important to me. And, um, I wanted to go have my worship pastor experience a big church. He had never experienced a really big church. And um, the worship was great. Uh, and then the guy gets up there, and the pastor, but it wasn't the lead pastor, it was another guy. And he wanted to basically talk about, he said, I want to talk about the kind of authentic community that Jesus wants us to create. And I thought, this is going to be a really good sermon. The guy gets about five minutes into his sermon before he says, so if your kid says they're gay or trans, it's BS. I'm like, how does that have anything to do with community? Right? Like, and, and, and how, like, like, we can have differing opinions on that, but don't, don't sell that as the authentic community that Jesus is crying, trying to create. Well, and it's so, kind of, it's kind of dismissive. You know what I mean? That's what I don't want to do is dismiss people when they tell, tell you something, you know? Well, no, I mean? exactly. Exactly. And so all, all that to say, um, I, you know, I was, after I left, I was, I was praying about it. And uh, a conversation I had had with my friend who's a retired vineyard pastor came to mind and God reminded me, uh, cause I was wondering, I was like, why did I, you know, in a place that could do something like this and make people in the audience feel the way that they make them feel. Cause I mean, there were 8,000 people in that room probably. Yeah. Um, I said, you know, like there's some 14 year old kid who, who, you know, is going to be really like, he's going to be impacted by that statement. And it was just passed off as Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's uh, I have an issue with that too because um, I listened to that. You know, I obviously listened to all those debates, and I don't, I don't really want to draw a conclusion myself. But I'll just tell you some like personal experience that I have about the de- um, the debate that's going on whether someone's born gay or not. And I'll tell you a personal experience I have. Um. I remember my, one of my ex-wives, she was working at a sheriff's office and I go up there, um, to, I gave, gave her some food or something. And there was this little boy there. He was like six years old and he started talking to me. And after that little boy left, I said, that little boy's gay. You could tell he was gay. You could tell he was like gay right then. And, and I was like, uh, that little boy's gay. And over the years I've grew up and of course, um, I, um, he didn't realize he was gay right then, but of course I told my wife when I left, I was like, that, that little boy's going to be gay someday, <laughs> or he is right now, or whatever. <laughs> and then he ended up growing up, and of course he was he was very gay when he grew up. 
And that yeah. made me wonder right then if people are actually born gay or what it is. Like we can, you know, obviously we think it's wrong, but I, I also don't want to be dismissive because that boy may, may not have had anything to do with, you know, being, having the choice to be gay. You, you're shaking your yeah. head. You don't, you don't agree with that? You think he made the choice at a young age to be gay? No. <clears throat> or you think it's like something demonic? No, I or believe something? that there are people that are more effeminate than others. Not all males are macho. Not all females are completely feminine. Yeah. It doesn't make them gay at all. You're not born gay. I'm sorry. I'm going to just, I, I know that I haven't had any, any verbalization yet, but in my opinion, then that would create the paradox that God makes mistakes. That God yeah. made him gay. And you, yeah. you can't have the paradox that God is all knowing, all trusting, created each and every one of us individually. Fair. Knows each and every one of us as we were knitted in our mother's womb. Fair. What's your view on that, Pastor Drake? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot here. Um, and so I don't want to like, I think that this is a, just a, we'll, we can have the conversation. I just want to let you know that I think this is a conversation we could talk for hours on. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, um, I respect because I truthfully am. I truthfully am in the middle. And then when Larry brought up that point of view, I'm like, okay. And so I want to hear multiple different points of view. Yeah. Yeah. On this yeah. Situation. I, we're not, we're not going to debate. Like I said, I always put a stop to if people start getting heated or debated, but that's truthfully, um, an experience I had with that little kid, that little yeah. kid where I saw him and I said, there's no way that kid knows he's gay at six. There's no way, but he's obviously yeah. gay. Or maybe not gay, but he's at least acting like what a stereotypical homosexual person would act like. He's acting like what your thought. But then he grew up to be gay, like bat, like gay. Well, like I think gay. Maybe, maybe he heard that all his life because he well, was I want to say, I want to say that I do think like I do think that there is like okay, so. Before I mean, I have a conversation. There's another piece of this I want to get into, but I just want to say this one thing since since we're talking about this, you know, this kind of this kid in in particular, um, like, you know, when like a kid is in like kindergarten and they have a crush, uh huh, you know, okay, and they'll come home. Like I remember, like, you know, my sister like saying that she had a crush. I remember her friends saying they had boyfriends when they were in first and second grade. I did. Now, that was not, none of that had anything to do with their sexuality. I mean, geez, Louise, they're six and seven years old. Correct. Yeah. Right? No, they're not, they're I, not, their I, I, brain has not started to think that way at, and I, well, I don't, correct. how old are you, uh, Drake? 20, I'm going to be 25. You're 25. I had a, I, I have a funny story that whenever I was in kindergarten, I asked this girl to marry me and she said yes. And then I think she dumped me a couple of weeks later. And then, um, that boys to men song, I'll make love to you came out. And I had no clue. What it, <laughs> I had no clue. I had no clue what that meant, but I, I called up her phone and I, and I sang her that song on the, on her answering machine. I'll make love to you. I bet you oh, her God. dad was really happy about that. Oh no, her dad, you know what her dad did? Because I was so young, because I was so um young and um 
Oh, th- that text message was from my daughter for fundraising. So you're good. You can read that in a little bit, but you don't have to pay. I, she just had to have 20 numbers. <laughs> so d- don't worry about it. I get um, them every other day. Oh, from Keegan? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. She just had to have 20 numbers. But anyway, um, the dad, the dad um, told me, he goes, because you're so young and I know you don't even know what that means. Like, I'm okay with it. He goes, problem is I'm going to keep this cassette tape and when you on your day of your graduation, I'm going to play it at your graduation. And I, sw- Did he? I swear to God, I remembered it. And the whole time during the graduation ceremony, ceremony, I was like, this guy better not play this song, dude. See, <laughs> I, thought I would have probably it. changed schools. Because, dude, I sung my little heart out on the answer machine, too. And I know I probably sounded like a wounded pup. Like I chased girls from the time I was two years old. It was bad. I mean, I, I chased girls. I had, I quote unquote had a girlfriend at two years old. I'd put my arm around her and I'd kiss her on the yeah. cheek and all that stuff. But so, but having the mental capability that I'm 61, we didn't have sex in everything that it is in now. Yeah. We're, we, whether it's, I'm saying the adults in this world allows the sexuality to be in cartoons, the sexuality to be in in books and stuff that our kids are allowed to read. They have more access to that through the internet nowadays than they have any yeah. any anything. They, yeah, they're, I think- they're just blasting these kids with this stuff that they shouldn't their minds are not developed for that yet. Yeah. I mean but but I think but I I mean I'm not it's not that I it's not that I disagree with you. I I also like I mean, I think the problem is, is like, like I, I didn't have that stuff yet. Here I am. So gay. Right. So like, At I think 25, a- you had a whole lot more access to it than I did because they didn't even, when I was that age, two, three, four, five, the black and white TV didn't even show married couples sleeping in bed together yeah yeah do you think that you maybe had a little more influence than what you think you did like maybe some like hidden windows or whatever on on television growing up or did you or did your parents even allow you to have access to no. television no no that like i think what like i i, I think what's interesting like if i were to use this there was a study done a number of years ago and i'd have to find it but that that stated that that one in four kids who grew up in evangelical homes will identify as queer by the age of 18. One in how many did you say? One in four. One in four? So 25%. Good grief. 25%. And, and broader society, a general number is like five or, or a generous number is like five to 6%. Well, let me ask, so, I mean, we, we don't, we don't have to talk about studies and stuff like that because we could just ask you, do you remember the moment the moment you were like, Oh, I'm, I'm gay. Do you remember that exact moment? No. Um, no, it's interesting because, um, like I, I look back at it now and, and I think about the fact that, you know, there were, there were friendships that I had that I put far too much, you know, like emotional effort or strain into when I was younger, but I never recognized that as being gay or homosexual. Um, and, and, and like, like that's the thing. So, um, there's a really good podcast out there. It's called Blue Baby's Pink. Um, and if you if you want to kind of like understand a, a kid growing up, like this, the guy who I'm friends with, the guy who produced it and wrote it, his name's B.T. Harmon, and he's the son of a Southern Baptist pastor in Alabama. And um, and B.T. he's probably ten or fifteen years older than than I am. And um, 
one of the things he talks about is it doesn't have to like you can grow like you can grow up and realize that you're different and not realize that you're gay. Right. Like, and he says one of the things that he finds really interesting is he says that, you know, it, it wasn't so much that I realized that I was attracted to boys as much as it was that I realized that I wasn't attracted to girls like everyone else. Yeah. So do you, um, think, I, do you think it's a sin being gay? No, no, I don't. What, where do you like, wh- how, do, how did you come to that? Yeah. Um, well, before I do that, I, and I will share that. I just want to just say one thing about a comment that was made earlier, because I think it's important. Okay. Um, and that is, you know, this whole, like, that would say that God makes mistakes. I agree. God doesn't make mistakes. But I think what's really interesting is, like, I don't think that me being gay and being okay with it means that God made a mistake, right? I mean, that would be like God making a mistake because there are platypuses. Because God made the mammals of the land and he made the creatures of the sea and the birds of the sky. God didn't make platypuses or frogs, right? I mean, amphibians exist, and God made night and day, but dusk and dawn exist. Did God make a mistake? Why would you think God didn't make platypuses? Well, no, because my, my point being that... that land your and th- water. Right. Yeah, my, well, my, my point being that, that when, we, when we say, like, okay, so God made the the light and the dark right or god made the night and the day so it was good called the thing night called the thing dark it never says that god made dusk or dawn my my point being that we never say god made that god made a mistake because there's dusk or dawn but god god would make a mistake if if people could be born gay like that doesn't that doesn't fit that same vibe well, that's right? where, so gonna, that's why that argument's so prevalent. Then is because, like Larry believes that people aren't born gay because that 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 I guess I can see why that argument's a big deal now, is because that is a big like caveat in this whole thing. You yeah, know? and and I mean, because at the end of the day, like, and let me share this, and then we can continue on to the question that you just asked. Okay, and that is, what is the biggest problem? that I have with the prosperity gospel. So like with someone like Joe Osteen, right? If you just pray and you're faithful, God will financially bless you. What's the problem that I have with that? Well, that would mean that God loves rich people more than God loves poor people, right? God chose not to bless the poor people, but chose to bless the rich people. The rich people had better faith and better prayers. And, and so God blessed them. And it doesn't matter how hard the poor person pr- prays. If they're not as blessed financially, then they didn't pray hard enough and doesn't, they didn't have good enough. Doesn't the Bible like have a like Bible verse that says like the poor people will be more like... Well, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. But the point being that this, this gospel that Joe Osteen is selling is, is those who have enough faith or have, who have more faith um, and give to his church are financially blessed. And, and are financially taken care of. And so what does that say to the poor person? That says, Jesus doesn't love me as much as he loves that rich person. I, so I agree with your train of thought there on that. I'm not one on prosperity preaching, personally. Yeah, and I, 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 figured, I figured that you'd agree with me. <laughs> but all I'm, all I'm getting at here is that, um, like, I, I want you guys to understand that, that I grew up in a household where 
it was not okay to be gay. Well, okay, right? so, well, oh, well, okay, answer my first question before I answer that one, sorry. No, you're okay. I'm, just so inter- I just, I'm super interested in this subject because I've never really thought about it, several things, obviously. If, uh, let, yeah, me, let, me, yeah. let me address the prosperity preaching. If that was the case, then why would he have brought that up to the young, rich ruler give away or sell everything that you, or give away yeah. everything that you have and then follow me. Yeah. Why would he not be able to do that? He was not able to do that because basically he had too yeah. He had all the riches, he had everything that he wanted and he was still was empty. Yeah. And didn't Joel Osteen like not even open up his church during that hurricane and stuff? I'm, I'm not like, saying a word about and any if, particular preacher straight up. That's, yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to fall on that. Well, he didn't. I'll say it's it. not my place to judge him. Well, I'm not judging him, but I'm saying like, even if like, I do believe God can give you riches, right? But you should use that to help other people for sure. Cause God can, God giveth and God taketh away. Right. I agree completely that yeah. if he can't trust you with much, can he trust, or if he can't trust you with little, then he can't trust you with much. Yeah. If you're not a good steward at your, of your finances, then, you know, God gives you blessings when you obey he does i've i've been a, a recipient of that and i do my best to to obey am yeah. i am i stacking the money in the back room and and in, in the closet no you better not be you know? and not be giving me any that's crazy yeah. i'm Thought not we your homie but because i i know my heart and i know the <clears throat> The impurity that I did with what I had yeah. when I had, all right. I I would rather have nothing and rely on God hand to mouth. There you go. Than to have a buildup of riches and let it lead me astray. Drake, I got to ask you a question, and I agree with you, Larry. Drake. I got I I've got to know, man, because it's so interesting. But so your parents did not agree with you being gay. I need to know now. What's your relationship with like your parents? Are they proud of where you're at, what you've become? Because I know, I know, I want my parents to be proud of you. Are your parents proud of you? Like, how's that going now? Um, you know, and I think this will lead into um, kind of I'll answer this question kind of in tandem with what I was going to finish saying, which is, if I had a choice. There is no way, no, no way I would have chosen to be gay. I tried my hardest to be straight. I dated girls all through college. I did the whole, I'm not going to kiss until I get married thing. And I would hold their hands and I would just sweat and knew something didn't feel right. And I struggled in my relationship with God because I would pray to God to take away this sin and I couldn't even name it and it wouldn't go away. And, um, it, it, it wouldn't go away. It was there. In fact, to the point where when I was growing up, when I was in junior high, um, I remember going into eighth grade and saying, I'm going to get right. I'm going to get a girlfriend. And I didn't, I didn't get a girlfriend. Um, and I remember not getting baptized and holding off getting baptized because, um, I was struggling with, with same sex attraction. And I knew, and I thought that if I struggled with same sex attraction, I couldn't be baptized. And so I needed to put that to rest before I could be baptized. And so, um, I just like lay that out on the table that I like, if I could have chosen to be straight, 
and have 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and a pastoral job that paid me enough to actually get by. Um, because I had jobs lined up when I was at Cedarville, which is where I went to school. Um, I had a, 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 a pastoral position lined up at a really nice, really great church that I was in love with. Um, and, and I, I gave that all up because of, of, because it was, I, I, I gave it all up because I didn't have a choice. And so like anytime someone's like, oh, you're selling out for culture. I think that's pretty silly because culture right now, especially you're watching the laws take place. Um, you know, especially here in the state of Florida, um, where we're being, where my existence is being legislated against. Um, and so I, I did not choose this. Um, I just, that's, there's that. I think the second piece of that is that um, the reason I brought up the prosperity gospel piece is because I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would take it away and God didn't take it away from me. And so when people, when people tell me that they believe that I could pray the gay away and that it worked for them, I look at them and think, well, does that mean if that, if they're, if they're, correct and they're telling the truth that would mean that god loves them more than god loves me because god wouldn't take it away from me but he took it away from them um that's why i brought up the prosperity gospel piece that all that to say um you know i didn't basically from 2019 until i mean for about a year we didn't talk me and my parents really didn't talk at all um and then we started talking again slowly and now i would say that we have a decent we have an okay, um, relationship. Um, like I went and I saw them for the first time since 2019, uh, in, in, um, July. Um, I, I, I saw you're married. Uh, Is your husband able to go with you to stuff like that or no? Absolutely. No, no, actually that was one of the conversations. My worship pastor was with me and, um, and we were going through some of my uh, old family photos and baby pictures and stuff. And he said the most screwed up part about it was that Brent should be, my husband should be experiencing it with me and not him. Um, and so, uh, you know, my, you know, like it comes down to silly stuff. Like I, I, we just moved into our tiny home. I told you I took a picture of it and I sent it to my mom and there was a thing on the wall that says the Cromer Moore family established 2020. And uh, my mom was like, I don't need to see this. She know I disagree with that. Um, And they've actually never used, my sister has, but no one else has used my husband's name. Um, My mom's family and my dad's family, like like my grandparents and stuff are are supportive. Um, But but my my immediate family is not. um, So it's kind of like there's, it's not an actual true relationship. It's still kind of eggshells. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I was just thinking about and having the conversation um, the other day about how I have to make a decision as to, as to when I'm going to stop, you know, saying um, I, instead of we like just stupid things like that. Yeah. But true. It's something I have to think about because I don't want to have to have the conversation Um, because we had the conversation one time and it just led to both of us, very upset and bawling on the phone. Yeah. We didn't. Um, and so again, I just like with the resounding is I'm a family person. I love my family. I miss my parents. 
I, um, I miss my, my siblings. Now I have a better relationship with my sister than I've had, um, probably ever before. I have a, a okay relationship with my, not okay, but I have a relationship now with my mom and dad, but like, I wish I could just have a normal relationship with them. Um, and yeah. so I wouldn't have not have chosen this. So let me ask you a question. You, you told me that at, um, at a younger age, you, you would not have chosen to be gay. Um, yeah. would you still choose not to be gay if you could? Um, like if I could, you mean like in this moment, right if you ask me, if, if God said, I'll take this away from you, would you, would you take it and not be gay right now? If, 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 if God appeared to me and told me that I was being unfaithful in my, I was being unfaithful to him by being in a same sex relationship. No, I'm, I'm, I'm more asking not, not if God told you, I'm just saying if there was a way right now for you not to be gay, if it was just a red button on the table, would you push it? Oh, no. Okay. You know why? You know why? Tell me. Because I, you know, I, when I came out to my mentor, I didn't, I didn't know if he would be affirming or not. Uh, meaning I didn't know if he'd be supportive um, or not. Uh, I, I just knew that his ministry looked like Jesus and I wanted my ministry to look like Jesus one day. Right. And when I came out to him, he said, so what do you want from me? And I said, well, I'd really like to go through these six passages that apparently talk about homosexuality and your, your views on them. And he'd say, and he looked at me and he said, Drake, I'd love to do that for you, but I hate to break it to you. The Bible isn't about you. The Bible is about Jesus. From beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is about Jesus. He said, we always try and make the Bible about us, right? Basic instructions before leaving earth. That's not what this is. He says, when we make the Bible about us, it's always been a problem. Right? Adam and Eve tried to make the knowledge of good and evil about them. Look what happened, right? The tower of the people at Tower of Babel tried to make heaven about them, and look what happened. And one day when Christ comes back, people will try to make his second coming about them, and it won't go well for them. And we always want to do this. We want to make things that are God's and ours. And so he said, what I will tell you is that you will have a beautiful ministry, you will have one where you will reach people that I will never be able to reach. And let me tell you something. When I, I just give you an example. There's this girl who plays on our worship team. And, um, I was talking with, I, I was at the gym. She, she works at my gym. I was at the gym and I invited her to church and, um, and she, she was asking me about my church and, um, her eyes lit up. She said, you know, I grew up in church. I love church. She says, I love Jesus. But as soon as I started seeing my girlfriend, I wasn't welcome back. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Well, and yeah. So let me, let me explain a little something to you that, that because like we were talking about the whole pastor thing earlier. Right. And I've been called pastor before, which makes me extremely uncomfortable. And the reason why it makes me uncomfortable is because, um, like our teaching pastor, and then also our our um our what's what's he called? It's not he's the main pa senior pastor at this church. Um, first of all, the teaching pastor here is literally retired because he's been doing it for forty years, and um, his name's Pastor Gary, and for me to be called the same thing as him is asinine. 
in my opinion. Like I'm, I don't, yep. I in no way, shape, or form would I even think I belong on uh, the same level as him because it because of how long and he's proven that he's been doing it for a long time. He comes up with all these things, but whenever I started doing this, I'm saying, okay, let's say that by some odd way I do define as a pastor or at the very least I'm in some form of Christian leadership, whether I like it or not. And one thing that terrifies me is that Bible verse that um, tells me that I um, am going to stand even more judgment in more judgment for misleading people. And I don't remember where that's at. Larry's going to find it. And so, no, you're not going to find it. Okay. have to use my phone and we're on it okay so and that scares me to no end that i just do not want to be misleading somebody does that ever cross your mind is it something that concerns you when you're leading your congregation? because the shoes are, are your position obviously i'm sure you don't take it lightly but it's not to be taken lightly it's a big big deal is it something that you ever think about is it something that you've taken seriously well, it was why I put the call to ministry on the back burner for so long. Right. Uh, I, I, I didn't like, I was struggling with, with same sex attraction and I, I, I couldn't be a pastor if I struggled with same sex attraction. That's where I was at. Um, and you know, so when I was at the passion conference, when I was a senior in high school, um, Louis Giglio, was up front and he was like, you know, is there anything that God is placing at the forefront of your, your, your heart right now that maybe you've, you've put aside that God wants you to, to pray about? Like, is there something that, that God wants you to pray about and think about right now and in this moment over the next couple of days? And that call to ministry, something I had not thought about. I had already applied to college and was going to a different, was going to a different school for a different thing. And, um, that call to ministry came to mind and, um, we were supposed to go into small groups. And so I go into the small group and, um, we're going around and kind of sharing the thing that God brought to the front of our heart. And I just, I shared this and started bawling because I knew that I was not being obedient to who God was calling me to be because I was, I was afraid of the accountability. Right. And, um, and so I, you know, I accept, and then the next morning I was in, um, we were in worship and I had been praying about it and I can't explain it, you know, but, um, but this is why I, I kind of am okay with being a charismatic. Sometimes I, I felt like I could feel the spirit go in one hand and like out the other. Like I felt the cold sensation on each of my palms as my, I had my hands raised in worship. I felt like my heart was physically lifted up and, um, and right then, like, I felt confirmation that God was calling me to be in ministry. And so I did. It was not a job that I wanted at first. And so I, I, I went to school for it and, and studied it. And um, I went to a Southern Baptist school um, and, and, and studied it. And, um, and let me tell you what, when I, when I first kind of, like, set out on trying to understand and deal with my sexuality. Um, I was not trying to become affirming. You were not a, a what now? I was not trying to become affirming. I wasn't trying to oh. be okay with. 
like some some people go at it by trying to find how they can be gay and be Christian. That's not what well, I was I doing. I know I know that's how I am when it comes to sin. And that's why yeah. cuz I'm a little older than you, right? I'm well I'm quite a bit older than you actually. I'm about 13 years older than you. And then Larry's literally a dinosaur, right? I can literally see one of his fingernails is a literal fossil right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's too sick. He's going to smack me today. But anyway, so what um what I notice whenever sin comes up in my life is the first thing I try to do is obviously I want to, I want to do it. And then I try to start finding ways to make it. Okay. Does that make sense? Like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like I, my, I, it's almost like it's a natural thing. Like I've got to figure out why God's okay with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then most of the time, you know, it comes up to where it's not. And so you're saying that's not what you were doing in the beginning. Like you were, you were trying to find a way to, um, you were trying to find a way to like not be gay while, because Southern Baptist, that'd be the last place you should go if you're trying to. Yeah. Be gay. Yeah. Well, I started with, I started with, I'm, I'm like, um, I was just going to fight it and just not be gay. And, but I could, I struggled because I was in, you know, I was in a relationship. I had girlfriends in college and it always felt unnatural and uncomfortable but I really wanted to make it work. And, um, and, but my, but when I was first able to like name the thing, like, right. Instead of just saying, you know, that sin God that I'm struggling with, I actually said, you know, the same sex attraction, I could talk to God honestly about it. Um, it, that was the point where I was able to start to understand that I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. Right. Like that was, that was the point where I would start to, under, I was, I was starting to understand um, just how good God is right? Um, and, and how God created me. And that was before I was affirming, right? Like I, I was, when I first set out on this journey, it was because I wanted, and it is still, by the way, it's not just first, it was then and is still now. I was trying to be as faithful to God as I could be. So I want to um, go, I want to go back to something because it just crossed my mind that I asked this question earlier and I I and I you did a good job of explaining to me how you got into ministry and how you felt like um, it was okay to start um, in ministry, but my question for you is do, does it still cross your mind like when you're on the pulpit sometimes where you're like good grief I hope I'm not misleading people does it ever is there ever a fear that pops up in your mind? Where you're like, I had a, man, I hope I'm right. Because this could be a I big a, deal. I had an old professor of mine. Uh, actually, he was the president of my university. And he would say that if you ever get up to preach and you're not nervous, you're doing something wrong. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, of course I'm nervous. Yeah. But at, at, at the same time, it's not because I'm nervous of, you know, of, of, of a massacring crazy tyrant god um like the thing is is that i mean if you if you think about it like i'm nervous because i i want to like because that's just like that's just the spirit right like that's just that i need to understand the weight of what i'm about to say and leading these folks um and that has more to do with leading them well than it has anything to do with the fate of me of my fate because of the way that i lead them i mean if, if, if you really if you think about it right like i I know Paul says, "Shall we sin all the more that grace may abound?" Um, but the thing is, is that's not even the question here. 
the question here for me is what do I believe about the grace of Jesus? Right. You know, like, what do I believe about the grace of Christ? What do I believe about the forgiveness of Christ? Do I really believe that, he, that, that his sacrifice were, was for the sins of the world? And if I screw up, do I believe that God doesn't have any bandwidth for screw up? Well, no, because that's not the gospel. Right. Of course, God has bandwidth for screw ups. But it doesn't mean that I take my position lightly. Of course, I, it's a heavy position. You know, I was having a conversation with Kevin, one of the other pastors the other day, about how oftentimes pastors, when they're taking care of other people, take care of themselves last. And so I, yeah, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm nervous, but it's, it's, it's more because I know, because I know the weight of, of the good news that I have to share and less what if I share it wrong. Does that make sense? Right. No. Yeah. You, thank you for answering that. Med. You, you cleared that up for me for sure. So I have one more question and then we're going to do the rounds I talked about. So that it, the, the question that you posed earlier, I, now I asked the question about the red button. And you answered that one, but I have another question. I want you to f finish answering the question that you posed earlier that if God, because you said you're guided by the Holy Spirit, right? And you're, if the Holy Spirit or God um, manifested himself in the way he does now when he's guiding, guiding you throughout your everyday, because I know you can't be a pastor and you can't be leading a congregation without God guiding you constantly. So if you heard that same voice and you're aware of it, and he told you to not be gay anymore, would you be obedient? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, the, the thing is, is like when it comes to that button, the reason I wouldn't put, of course I love my husband. Right? Yeah, of I, course feel, I feel like that question, that question itself was kind of messed up because then your husband's going to listen to this. And if you said you was going to push that, then. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, what I'm saying is I'm not going to push the button, not only because of me and not only because of my relationship, my husband and the church that we're building. Right. But I'm, I'm not going to push that button because of the people that I, the people that God has led me to reach. Right. The people in my church who are getting to hear the good news of the gospel for the first time, because they've always been cast out of churches. Okay. Now, when it comes to God, like the very reason that I would hit that button now is because of my obedience to God in the same way that God manifested himself to me and told me that I, that I, that I could no longer be gay. Then I had to pursue him in a different way. I would absolutely be obedient. Um, my, my entire life is, is centered. Like, like I, I look, this is not to, this is not to like brag or boast or anything. I'm just trying to be um, open and honest. I work a, I work more than full-time hours for my church for $20,000 a year. Right. Why do I do that? Because I believe that this is where God is calling me to be. And I believe that this is the community that God is going to use to change the face of our city. And I, because I believe that the good news will change the world and it is through the church that it will do so. And so when, like, if I'm faced with God's, God leading me in a different way than God has led me so far, then I'll take whatever 180, 90 degree right hand turn, whatever that God is asking me to take, because that's what this whole journey has been about. It's been about following God in the places that I believe that God is leading me. Man, fair enough. That's, uh, I mean, 
I don't have any more questions, and and I got to tell you, it's been interesting. But um, I'll my I'm gonna say my piece last. So we're gonna go ahead and go around the um the table here and say anything. Angela, do you have anything? So I do have a few questions. Like, have you ever got baptized? Now, because you said you never did when you were a kid. Have you? Got no, that? no. I I I was baptized then. I I just I pushed it off. I waited until I was I think I was fourteen before I was baptized. Okay. Have you baptized as an adult now? Have I been baptized currently or have I baptized others? No. Have Have you been baptized? Because see, like I was baptized as a kid. We all were. But also like as we're adults, we've got re-baptized to uh, show our faith of God and just to renew our, our Yeah, we faith. talked about that at the beginning of the show too before yeah. you came on. Yeah. Did you have yeah, I mean, done I, that? Well, well let, me, let me say this. I accept, you know, like I grew up in a large non-denominational church. So I would tell you that I, you know, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior or as my forever friend at six, right? right. And then most evangelicals have this kind of like this thought process that, and I'm included in that, right? Where eventually you go from that six-year-old who says Jesus is my forever friend because he's helped me to help a friend, right? And he, you know, like kind of this, rudimentary understanding of the gospel that you have at six years old um, to, to owning that thing, right? And, and making it your own. And I do believe that 14 is well within the, the range of accountability. Um, do I believe in the power and the, do I believe in the power of baptism and what it symbolizes? Absolutely. Have I baptized people? Absolutely. I just baptized my husband earlier this year. Um, I've not been baptized since being 14 because when I was baptized at 14, that's when I made my faith my own. Okay. You don't feel the need to be baptized again then? No. No, I was baptized at 14. I mean, 14 years old is not what I would consider me being baptized as a kid. Now, if I was yeah, baptized it's probably not six, the same as like six like I was, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, probably not the same. Yeah, makes sense. Do you have anything else? No? I just, in my heart, I just feel like I th- first of all, I want to thank you for coming on. You're you're very interest. It's a very interesting um, topic, and I'm thankful for that. I just uh, I just encourage you to seek God more and ask Him for more guidance because, like, I have a friend who is um, is gay, and she wants to do the ministry as well. But to be put in that role, she knows that she cannot pursue being gay to be in the role that she wants to be as a leadership, as a preacher, as a preacher or anything like that. So, um, I just, I just, uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it with that. Thank you for coming on. Larry. Have you still not? So Larry, just, just before we get started, Larry has a Bible verse. He reads to someone every single episode. This is episode 43. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask a few questions here to clarify. First off, you said, Church of Christ or a derivative of Church of Christ? Disciples of uh, Christ? The Christian Church Disciples of Christ. Okay. So now that kind of, you know, clears up in my head a little bit different than Church of Christ that I grew up knowing about. Not I, I never affiliated with them. I just know there's, you know, certain things about particular churches. Okay. Um, my stance is, is difficult in this particular statement. Um, 
I I know that you have been beat up with every other particular verse, but how to how do you justify the Sodom and Gomorrah? How do you justify Matthew, you know, fifteen and twenty three? Or I'm sorry, Matthew seven, fifteen and twenty three. How how do you justify those particular statements when we're when we're discussing or discussing uh, homosexuality when it's literally called out in the Bible. How do you yeah, how do you go about that, Larry? It's, it's the funny thing is is it's not literally called out in the Bible. So if you like if you're telling me Sodom and Gomorrah, I think it's interesting that so many people choose to disregard what the Bible says about Sodom and Gomorrah. So like the Bible in Ezekiel directly addresses Sodom and Gomorrah, and it does not say that the sin of your sister Sodom was homosexuality. It says the sin of your sister Sodom and Gomorrah <clears throat> was the lack of hospitality, the failure to love um, those who are different from them. And it, it, that's what the Bible says, but yet somehow it's made about homosexuality because we just ignore what Ezekiel says. Moreover, I think it's interesting that for some reason, um, the issue within that within that text that we pick up on is homosexuality and not the fact that Lot gave over his daughters or, um, you know, that people raped an angel. Um, no, they didn't. Like, they tried they to, were right? Going to. It's, well, they tried to, but do you think, I mean, honestly, is, is, is homosexuality the problem or is it rape? Cause I mean, rape's pretty bad. Like, and, and yet somehow we've made it about, about homosexuality when the Bible tells us that it's not about that. Well, they were um, I think sexual sin in general is probably the worst one, right? Paul the, says, well, it's, yeah, the whole thing about Sodom and Gomorrah was they'd given over, given their self over to their lustful, lustful desires. That's not lustful necessarily desires. That's ne- not necessarily yeah. highlighting homosexuality. It's just, ho- yeah, it's I'm just trying to find it exactly, and, but I, I haven't found it just quite yet. Yeah, no, it's, it's okay. I would just encourage you to right. ch- check out Ezekiel 15. Well, it, the Bible addresses give it. Give it to me. Ezekiel I'll 15. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. Hang on. He's faster at it because I do mine old school. Okay. Yeah, you give me just so one. I'm, okay. ex- I'm in Ezekiel 15. What verse? Hang on. I might have thrown it one. It might be 16. It says, it says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. How is the word? Is that it? I mean, no, no, no. We're we're on. It's, I'm sorry. It's Ezekiel 16. I'm quoting 15, but that's not what it is. Here we go. All right. So, where are we talking about your system? It's like, hang on. Let me find the very specific verse because it's talking about Sodom all the way through this. Hang on. Let me find the exact verse. I'm reading through it. Yeah, I'm trying to do the same thing. Pull up a lot. And I'm also trying to, you know, just kind of look for Sodom and Gomorrah in it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, there's one that about you engaged in prostitution with the Egyptians, your neighbors with large genitals. What? what? Yeah. And aroused my anger with your increasing promiscuity, so I stretched out my hand against you and reduced your territory. I gave you over to the greed of your enemies, the daughters of the Philistines, who were shocked by your lewd conduct. And then it says, now this is the sin of your daughter or your sister, Sodom. Yeah, there we go. This is the sin of your sister, Sodom. 
She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor, poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. So, I mean, some people want to make an argument that detestable is gay, but I'm just not really sure why I wouldn't say that. Like, I mean, the Bible, like, I just, the Bible very specifically says that they didn't help the, they were overfed, unconcerned, arrogant, didn't help the poor and needy, that they were haughty. All these things concerned with the way that they behaved and the way that they treated other people and then did detestable things before me, which, yeah, rape's pretty detestable. And so we have, uh, we have Jude, Jude well, 1, it, 7 yeah. was talking about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. It says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and per- pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example of undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yeah, and then in Matthew, I'm mean, I'm not I'm not trying to slam all the verses here. Well, because he that's why I said Pat, you've no you've heard all these several I'm times. Sure. It's called sex, yeah. sexual immorality. Is, is the basic sin there? You've you got, got to go yeah, to but I think but just, can I can I can just, like let me just put this in here, which is the the issue is okay, sure, sexual immorality is a problem. I agree with you, right? Like I I think I just. Here's the problem. See, what we're we're talking about the same thing, and we're talking. We often talk past each other because what happens is, like for example, um, like I believe that was your wife earlier. You know, um, thank you for um, thank you for coming on. Um, she says, you know, to seek God more. Well, absolutely, I seek God every day. Like that's part. Not only is it part of my job, but it's a part of who I am and the way that God created me to be. Um, but it's but because I don't agree necessarily with someone's point of view um that i must seek god more because god's going to reveal to me that i'm wrong and need to follow that way of things and so um in in the same way that we're reading this passage or any of these passages and we talk about sexual immorality which i agree is a problem um but you uh, there's this kind of assumption that's made that homosexuality fits uh, within that narrative. And so therefore I'm going to, every time it says sexual immorality, that I'm going to assume that your relationship, um, is sexually immoral. Um, all that to say, like whenever the Bible says sexual immorality, um, you're whole reading, list of stuff. Well, yeah. you're, 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 well, no, the, this is a, like a whole nother thing, right? But I mean, the Bible actually never uh, addresses a modern, under, a modern understanding of, of homosexuality. Like, I mean, gosh, even within, um, Leviticus 18 and that, that word arsenokoitai refers very specifically only to the active male role. Um, and that's because what happened? Well, back when Leviticus was written, the only type of homosexual relationship that they understood was one where someone in power would abuse someone of lesser status in order to um, kind of like show their might. And so again, we have a situation involving race. Dominance. Now, yeah, and dominance, and and that's always a problem, right? So, like, the what I'm getting at here is what's interesting is like we want to, you know, we want to take the Bible very literally in all kinds of ways, and I'm okay with that. But what I'm what I find interesting is we don't take it literal when it's convenient um, for us. So, like, for example, I want to take the Bible literally and say Leviticus is talking about homosexuality. Well, then, okay, well, only the active male role is condemned, um, and lesbians are not condemned, right? In Leviticus. And that, that would be what, what taking it literally would mean. Um, and so all, all that to say, 
um, when you read sexual immorality, um, you make an assumption um, that homosexuality is included in there, whereas I don't. See, when I read Watch Out for False Prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves, but by their fruit you'll recognize them. Do they pick people? Do they pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. And I look at um, non-affirming theology, um, and I look at the fruit that it bears. Um, I, I look at um, the fact that we could reduce suicide, youth suicide, by 60% um, with one supportive adult. And so which theology bears good fruit? Is it one that increases rates of suicide because parents reject their children? Um, or is it one that uh, embraces and supports um, children, um, you know, or, or, or I say adolescents is actually where the statistic comes from. Um, you know, oh, oh, give me a second, Pastor Drake. I'm so sorry, but we got, we got a little off track here of what we normally do. So yeah, you're good. I, and I, Thank you for sharing that with me. But what I want to do is I want to give Larry his final statement here, and then I'm going to say mine, yeah. and then I'm going to let you say because we're at 146, and I want to I want to try to get this in under two here. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, sorry, that's, that's becoming no. very difficult to get it in under two. Well, it, yeah, it's been getting harder to get yeah. in under two. We've had a couple I mean, over two, but I sit here quietly and yeah, looked up things trying to find exactly what I felt the Lord was giving me to. But yeah, you need to say your last thing so say, we can get to I'll keep mine short. So my my biggest deal in all honesty is I've struggled in my life as well with a lot of different habits, if you want to say, or desires of the of the flesh. Um I battle daily, but I have to die to my flesh daily. And yeah. by dying to my flesh daily, meaning that I don't take up those things that my the my body desires my flesh desires i stand firm against that because that's not what i need to do uh you know i don't need to go out and, and get drunk when i get angry or, or upset i don't need to get angry i need to give everything to the lord and submit myself to him on each and everything that we do i i have so many different you actually read the verse that i had written out for for this because you know i said it and then you went ahead and read it to me um so technically that would be the verse because i already had it marked here um i had quite a few my question is i know that you get you get hit from every different angle and it seems like you have a way of, of getting around the meaning of what i interpret the bible to say and uh, trying not my best not to be me, and I'm trying to let the Holy Spirit speak through me. I'm just going to say I, I understand that there are people that you are going to be able to reach with the experiences that you had. But there is going to be a time that God's going to call you to step out of that lifestyle that you can still have communication with people like if i went back into the i was a biker i could go probably witness to those bikers easier than you could understand yeah there's no way that i in the flesh could 
witness to people that you can. I have a daughter that lives that lifestyle. So it is instantly in my flesh to well up against it and, you know, pull the dad card out and slam it around on the, on, on the table a little bit. But I'm, I'm fighting. I'm dying to my flesh because that's what my flesh wants to do. And I'm battling that right now because I can't, just like the, uh, the preacher, I don't even remember the name of it. It went in my ear and out the other that you mentioned earlier. But that person is going to stand ju- in being judged in the same manner that he uses it will be measured back to him. So it doesn't matter. All of that's going to come back on us. Everything that we do is going to come back on us, and we are going to be judged by that. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your day, and I really honestly appreciate your your heart and your enthusiasm. And I, like I said, I thank you for coming. You're done? Okay, my turn. Um, this is what I feel like God's um, leading me to say. Um, I believe you when you say that you that you can't be attracted to women. I believe you. I believe you when you say that, um, that you believe that you are on the right track and in God's path with you. I believe, I believe that you're not intentionally coming on here and lying about those things. And I believe that you, your, your heart's in the right place, if that makes sense. But yeah. And, and I enjoy and I enjoyed the fact that you said that if God told you you would, you would, you'd obey. You didn't even hesitate when you said that. So I know these these conversations are hard for all of us to have. It, this is our forty third episode, and I never stop getting uncomfortable before I step in this seat. <laughs> I, I agree. It's a uh, it's very uncomfortable, um, and I know it takes some level of bravery to come on here knowing that we don't believe in the same thing as you. And I hope we stood up to our um, um, our word that we wouldn't beat you up. Um, but um, and it's I really do learn from everybody that doesn't think the same thing as me. I do learn. I like to listen, um, and I hope that's what I did today is listen to your point of view. And I just want to thank you for coming on. And I know, and I'm sorry about your parents, man. That's got to be hard. That's the that's the part that hurts me the worst. Is I know, um, I know it'd be cool if your parents were proud of you because you're going, you're probably going through a lot, and it'd be cool to be like, um, you know, have your parents support. And that really sucks that you have to walk on eggshells. And I'm going to pray as soon as we get off here that that changes for you, your relationship with your parents. But um, I hope God blesses you, man. And I hope um, hope everything goes good for you. And that's my only concern is like it, me being in a, a small portion of Christian leadership, even smaller than what you're in. I don't have a church on my back. I mean, I have a podcast um audience, which I guess it's not a small thing either. I, I love all of them, but, um, that's just the only thing that makes me super nervous is, is misleading people. It scares me to death too. And so, um, but like I said, I, I'm, I, I seek comfort in the fact that you say that you're led by the Holy spirit and that you, and that you'd be obedient in what he says. So I take comfort yeah. in that. And, um, okay. So the floor is yours, brother. It's all yours. Yeah, man. So one of the, you know, the, story that I, I didn't quite get to finish earlier um you know i remember well i was 
in college and um, kind of like reading Psalm 139 um, kind of for the first time in its entirety, right? I understood that uh, I was fearfully and wonderfully made, but I didn't kind of understand the extent of that. And, and the psalmist talks about um, the light and the dark being the same to God. Um, you know, I thought about the times that I couldn't uh, struggle with or deal with my sin. I remember my mom texting the leadership development program at my church that I was involved in, that I was struggling with a very serious sin, she said, and I could never be honest. She actually told me not to be honest because people would talk about us. And, um, and I remember thinking, reading this, and crying, realizing that regardless whether or not I named what I was struggling with, that God knew me and loved me and had created me. And, um, and all that to say, you know, I think, I think the, the thing that I'll say is this, is that, you know, I've told you before, Zach, that my bar for friendship <laughs> or fellowship is really low. It's that we, um, as far when it comes to ministry, it's that um, you don't invalidate my faith in Jesus um, and, or invalidate my ministry. Because if you say I can't be a real Christian because I'm gay, then I'm not sure that that our, that will work out. Um, I hate that dichotomy the most out of what people say because then we could just start throwing barbs at everybody if we did that. Like, you can't be a Christian and cuss, and you yeah. can't be a Christian and cut people off in traffic. Or, you know, like, we could just go down yeah. this. Well, that one that one might be true, cutting people off in tra- traffic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I hate that all, one the most. It certainly gives that, me a lot of temptation. I know. Larry, that's, Larry's like a pretty pretty uh, squared away Christian, except for when he gets in traffic. Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my but, goodness. Uh, that that one tests me more than anything. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you. I just wanted to put my input on that one. That yeah, I get you there. You're good. You're good. All that. All that to say. Um, excuse me. I just. I you know one of the things that I I uh, whenever I have people come to me struggling with um, their faith and sexuality, the first thing that I tell them is, um, I don't have an agenda, nor do I care where they land. Um, but that, that they need to earnestly follow the way that God is leading them. Um, and so that would be like, if anybody is listening to this um, and they and they know somebody or they are themselves um, struggling with their sexuality or their gender identity or anything like that, um, I if you know somebody who's struggling with it, the answer isn't to throw Bible, Bible verses out at them. Um, if you do that, you're just going to shut them off from the church and from a relationship with you and from... Um, from knowing how much Jesus loves them. Um, the answer isn't to try to get them to live right in your eyes. Um, the answer is to, is to show them the love of Jesus. Um, that does not mean sharing the truth in love like you think it does. <laughs> what that means is loving, loving them, being there for them, and encouraging them to follow the way that God is leading them. That might not be in a way that you like, but I would rather, if I was straight and I thought being gay was a sin, I would rather my, my gay sibling or gay kid or gay cousin know that Jesus loves them and attend church and have a relationship with their family more than I would want to be right and to share Romans 1 and Leviticus 18 with them. 
And I think that that's the relationship that God would want you to have with them. In fact, I mean, to love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second of these is equally important as to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, and he says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, meaning everything in Scripture from beginning to end, whether it be the Hebrew Bible or the New Testament, hangs on loving God and loving others. And loving others doesn't look like being right. Loving others looks like embracing them and in embracing the tension of your differences in the way that Jesus would. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we preach that same thing too. I mean, show people the love of Christ. That's the ultimate, that's the ultimate goal. That, that really is what our goal is, is Jesus said they would know us by our love. Yeah. And, and so the reason that I, the reason that I say all of that though, is because, you know, I, I preached a sermon a couple of months ago about how do you think that Jesus, you know, do you think that Jesus um, has to embrace the tension of our differences when he embraces us? It's like, heck yeah. I mean, geez Louise, half of us were arguing on the way to church this morning, right? I mean, and, and do you think Jesus had to embrace the tension of differences when he hugged Judas and received a kiss from him and when he hugged Peter knowing that he would be denied? Um, and then when he visited him again and they breakfast, right? So um, all that to say, loving like Jesus doesn't look like being right. It looks like embracing people, even in the tension of your differences. And so, um, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that I, there, I understand that my, um, that by making the claims that I do, um, about sexuality in scripture, which I don't often deal with, but maybe about Christianity and sexuality or whatever you want to call it, lifestyle. Um, I understand that most people are going to come at me and not too many people are going to be for me. Um, but all those people who come at me who know God, um, that's good for them. And I'm glad that they have that relationship. But for me, I'm for the downtrodden and for the outcast and the one who doesn't think that they're welcome in church. Um, and those people, regardless what you think of my lifestyle, um, deserve to hear the good news of Jesus, and they deserve to hear it in a way that they're going to be able to accept it, um, not in a way that is predicated on them getting right, or them agreeing with your worldview first. Um, I can't do so, anything but, I don't know, I can't do anything but respect what you're saying. So, you so know. All, all that, I just, I mean, there's a billion things to say here, right? But I think, yeah. I think just for me, I, the thing is, is I know that, probably a, a large amount of your listeners are are Christian. No, no. Uh, so this is this is actually a podcast that's specifically designed for um, people that don't believe. So we we normally interview um, witches, Satanists, um, atheists, agnostic, and we try to um, show anybody that doesn't agree with exactly what we get to show them love. That's the whole premise of our show is to bring these people on and treat them differently than what they're used to being. Doing, uh, a, doing our best to emulate love like Jesus. Yeah. So, so no, no, this isn't like a Christ. This is literally, that's my tagline is the number one Christian podcast designed for someone that doesn't believe. So yeah, that's, I, I like, I, I like that tagline. All, all I'm saying is, is like, I just want, you know, I, anyone to, like, cause the thing is I got to speak to anybody that God gives me the opportunity to speak to. Right. And so that might be people who are listening to your platform. Um, and so like, for me, it's like, I, I just want to make sure that I'm an instrument for what God wants. And what God wants is more people to know who he is and how much he loves them. There you go. And, so, and, and so for me, it's like, I know that there are going to be fine. If we're, if we're not talking to Christians, right. There are, there are people for listening to your podcast 
who are, you know, part of the LGBTQIA plus community, um, who identify as gay or trans or um, anything else under the sun. Um, and they don't believe that God loves them. And I want to share the message that he does. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it's just kind of like, for me, it's like, I got to use whatever platform that God gives me. There you go, man. Okay, I appreciate ask, it. Oh, let, you want to ask him another yeah, question? I, okay, it's fine. Go ahead. Please. Two questions. First off, <clears throat> I'm just going to give you a, a chapter in First Corinthians. Just at, at your leisure, read chapters 5 and 6, please. Okay? Yeah. At your leisure. The other, other thing went right out my head. Your second question did? Yes, it did. It went right out my head. Thank the Lord, because we're at 202. I know so. that. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but it, it was something for you to contemplate, not answer. All so, right. well, so you gave him the Bible verse, and then something. Was it an idea or another Bible verse? It wasn't another Bible verse. It was actually a statement. Well, him. let's go ahead and let anyway, him go and wrap we, it up. We and then if you think about it, coming in. I'll give him the message in private when we talk again. How about right. that? Okay. Pastor Zach, Drake, thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Zach, real quick. You yeah. know, it's funny, you said 202, and you were like, oh, man, thank God. You say, well, you know, it's not for you to know the time or the day, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care, brother. All right, bye. Hey. Man, what a, tough, what a tough situation to be in, huh? Like, yeah, at the, at the same time, trying not to be judgmental in words or actions or disgust or anything like that. I always it's, notice when you disagree the with the guest, the most is when you're the most quiet. You're like, I don't know. How, you didn't know how to navigate it without being rude, so you just didn't say much. What did I, what did I ask the Holy Spirit to do before I prayed? I, mean, I actually thought, prayed. I thought when you were saying, I'm just going to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me, and mm -hmm. what you said after that was pretty profound. That was really good. Like, um, you know, I mean, but I also like what he says that he's preaching the gospel. It it does make me uncomfortable though about like misleading people. Like he he did say that he's not advocating homosexuality, but it's just yeah, I don't mean, know. I mean, it just makes me uncomfortable. Okay. I, I, I told I told him to read this on at his leisure, but what I will let me go ahead and read a verse. Okay. First Corinthians six, nine, and I'll probably go on through 11. Revelations 11. 11. No. <laughs> Pretty close. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immor immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. There again, it, it is falls under the... I have a study Bible, Schofield Study Bible, and this one is in, in uh, NIV. I knew that if I brought up a particular... Anytime that we get into this and then we'll end up getting into a debate about which version of the Bible I'm talking about and whether or not it's English words or whether or not it was written in Hebrew or whatever. And I don't want to get into that. What I want to get into is the subtitle it says the body is holy. We yeah. are to treat the body as it is. holy. That's why Paul said that the it is the temple of God. 
Yeah, that's why Paul said that sexual sin's the worst because it's the one that's against your own body, right? Yes, exactly. And we are to die to our flesh daily. And it's not easy. It's no. not easy not to smoke. Well, it's that's not what I'm easy saying. not like, to drink. Like, it's not easy not to chase women and, and yeah, all I'm, that I, stuff. Like, I'm, just because I got married doesn't mean that God took away my attraction to other women. And by no means would it be okay if I, if I you know indulged on that like that would that would be very it'd be betrayal to not only god but to her as well i know know? see and maybe i maybe i'm well past that or or something maybe it has something to do with the age i maybe it has the fact that for one time in my life i've actually got god in the middle of my marriage i see no other woman other than my wife i really don't you don't find other women beautiful either no 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 i don't and and i pray for that the minute that, that a minute that that micro thought comes in, it's rebuked and removed. Yeah, I would never, I would never cheat no, on my I'm, wife I'm for saying sure. Even the eye uh, is lustful. Okay, even though the eye is lustful, you control that. So you still and have those you thoughts. Don't control you still it, have those thoughts. But I don't you allow just those take... thoughts. I capture those thoughts immediately. It's not the first view. I, I believe Billy Graham said this. It's not the first view that gets you in trouble. It's the second view. It's the lingering eye that you uh, yeah. sit there and waste. Fair. <clears throat> when you do that, I mean, we, we can't help but see things. I, listen, I was on my phone on the uh, uh, Facebook page this morning on the Help My Unbelief Facebook page, and an ad popped up with, that was triple X. Oh, really? Triple X. I went, my, my first thought was, I went, what the heck? Oh my gosh, Got you know, because yeah. I, I, I had to recognize what it actually was because I'm like, Wait, there's the nudity on Facebook. Oh, dude, this ad came up and it was extremely vile. Uh. And I, I mean, you know, I, I lived that life, but okay. I can't control that. I can't control what my eye saw, but, you can but I can what control what next. my yeah. thought. Yeah. I captured that thought. I rebuked that thought and I removed that that thought in the name of Christ. I'm not going to stand for that coming into my world. Yeah. I have to stand guard. I have to stand vigilant guard over every thought that comes into my mind. And until you learn how to capture those thoughts, that's the things that we were talking about earlier. When you're a new Christian or when you first start coming to the Lord and when you first start committing yourself 100% all in, you can say it all you want until you start learning how to do it. Yeah. And when you mm-hmm. learn how to do it, you build up the wall. You put the shield of faith on. You you know, you've got it. <clears throat> pardon me. You've got it against all of that stuff. You can recognize it when the arrow is coming and duck out of the way. Yep. You know, you can't allow any of that stuff to come against you. And when it talks about sexual immorality, it's written all through the Bible. I don't care if it's King James Version, NIV, or AMF, or whatever version you well, got. And that Bible verse you wrote, uh, that Bible verse you wrote. That literally says homosexual. Yeah, but also, we're all we'd all fit into one of those ca- categories. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So that we needed Jesus, I was though. a drunkard. Yeah. I was greedy. I was slanderer. I'm a swindler. I, you know, all, that all Bible that. verse describes. The only thing I didn't do on this particular list that I read is literally, I was not a male prostitute, but I thought about it. But that Bible oh, verse well, describes. Well, I, I did think about doing that. Did you really? Yes, Being I really a prostitute? did. I was, trust me. 
You'd have been a broke prostitute. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have. <laughs> and then the homosexual offender. That's the only thing I, of this whole list. Yeah. That I haven't done or thought about. Well, it it all it all um, it all proves of why we need Jesus because we're all we're all, we're those things. Yes, you know exactly. what I mean. But the problem. But with there's him no is, way that I could go into the 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 place that God has placed him, which argue with me if you want to. God has placed him in that particular point that he can talk to people, but there is going to be a time of repentance that he's going to have to. And repentance means to turn away. Okay. Confess and turn away. He's going to come to that point, but he's going to have valuable information to help give to those people that I could not touch. I, I, I love that take. So, so you, I love that take. So you think God kind of put it, has put him in this position and then someday he's going to pull him no, out of it. No, I, I'm not going to say God put him in a sinful situation. No, no, that's no, no wrong. not that's, that. That's, that's as but, bad. But what you're saying that's is as bad as somebody saying that they were born homosexual. I, I cannot buy into that because that gives credence but, to God's failure. Hold on. Let me finish. God cannot but you be think a God's going to pull him out of it someday. And I then, think that that and if he obeys, if he obeys, he, he use him. Yeah, in my opinion, if he, he said obeys, he, would. he said he would. I think God's going to open up his eyes I, to it. I believe it. I believe him too. Like I believe that he because he answered that like that. That if God told him to, he would. But if there if that happened, he has all the quote unquote insider information. Just like my wife has a testimony of being an alcohol like alcoholic that. I was going to say nobody else in this room, <laughs> but I, literally everybody in this room has been. I don't an know alcoholic, if I was so. an al- I don't know if I was an alcoholic, but I drank a lot. That's for sure. So. Well, I I thought that you know at at the point I claimed to be a heavy drinker. I didn't think that it controlled me because I didn't find myself drinking beyond reason. You know, and mm. I, I didn't get up in the morning and start drinking. I didn't get up in the morning and need a buzz. No, I, I didn't either, yeah. But at the same time, when I drank, I literally drank more than she did. Yeah. When you I know? drank, I, I, I tied one on. There wasn't like, hey, you want to have a few beers tonight? It's like, hey, do you want to have a few cases tonight? But well, anyway, see, hey, I we're at. I couldn't drink beer like We're that. at 211. Any final thoughts? Man, this was a hard one. Yeah. I really wish Mark would have been here. I would love to have had his insight on some of this. Yeah, I wish we'd have been able to do a phone call to Pastor Gary because I needed that. I know that the Holy Spirit reigned my mouth in, and I give thanks to the Lord for the, doing that because you did good. I tried my best not to. You did a good job. Blast. You did a really good so, job, and you still got even though even though like you you get very few messages in. It's just the one that counts. Like at least you got a message in. Does that make sense? Like, just because you're not talking the whole time and being hard and heavy the whole time and, and refuting them every time, you got your message in. You got what you wanted to say out. Does that make sense at the end? So, and I, I can always tell when you're struggling is when you're more quiet in these. So, but you did a good job, man. In. You all did a good in. job. I'm I'm proud of you, and I think you did a really good job today. Well, and I appreciate thank you. It. I'm so glad you handled all the you guys did. I appreciate it because I'm not sure that I could. I'm uncomfortable the whole way but through, I, Bubba. I got one one thought. That okay. I really, really, really need to say. Okay. If you think, and here I'll do this. I'm not banging one verse in particular. Okay. If you think that you were born homosexual, homosexual, I truthfully believe that Satan 
already had an idea what God had placed in your life ahead of you. And he started that young to derail you. And that's why Satan has such a hook in our school system right now. That's why we're going through what we're going through in America with all the LG. I'm not going to screw this up. So everybody, everyone, that's why they're pushing it so much is because if we can get the children indoctrinated into that thought press process, then we have them on the hook. But guess what? It doesn't matter how you think God can pull you off of that hook. Yeah. Yep. It's all in. It's all that he died on the cross for you and he's there for you. All you have to do is reach out to him. Jesus loves you, and so do I. Thank you for watching and listening. We are out. Thank you for watching or listening all the way to the end. To be a guest on the show or to get a hold of us, please contact us at info at helpmyunbelief.org. And more importantly, make sure to check out new episodes every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Central.